Connecting you to the broadcasters, journalists, coaches, and game changers making today's news. As one coach once told me, guys, it's never about the money. It's about the amount of money. And I think that's true in this case. (laughs) This is the Press Box. Ah, yes, the wisdom and insight of the great voice of the volunteers. Bob Kessling with us inside the Press Box, joining Mike Grace. Inside the Breakland Optic Studios, Chris Stewart is in Birmingham. J.D. Myers is in Mobile. Fellas, our next guest I know is one of, for each of you, it's, he's got one of our favorite guests. So do you want to flip a coin or arm wrestle on who gets to intro Dane Bradshaw? How would y'all like to, to do this? You want to? Uh, I'll defer to J.D. Okay. We're pointing yeah. at each other. <laughs> since since but, Mike I, just did. <laughs> <laughs> man, uh, Dane, rarely do we get games that are built up that truly live up to the billing, but I guess we got that with North Carolina, with Duke, and, man, uh, intense, special. I felt like I was almost watching something I shouldn't. That seemed like it was personal. It was uh, it was awesome to witness and to not have to live with the consequences if you're on the losing side of it from a, a fan base standpoint, but what a ball game. Yeah, and, and- – the amount of big shots that were made over the last few minutes where you felt like, man, that could be the one that is always remembered. And then 20 seconds later, somebody else does one on the other side. Then here comes the answer. And just, you know, the the guts to take those shots in the moment. Um, I, I, you know, you talk about playing to win and not playing hesitant and all that. I mean, both these teams did it. And, um, it's, it's a shame because, uh, regardless who you root for, but just, the, those huge shots, but man, Duke, Duke left some points at the free throw line, you know, um, and, and right. that that really hurt them down the stretch and and, and lack of timeouts available to them as well. And so um, it was just uh, I thought North Carolina did did so many good things, but Caleb Love, you know, when we all talk about going into March about how critical guard play is, even though Bangkok, you know, despite his turned ankle, still finished with you know what twenty one boards, and, and by by no means am I. Um, underestimating the value of, of great big men down low. But when you got to just get the ball in somebody's hands and have them make plays, Caleb Love, the second half, was, was was really good. And just the way he could get in the lane and just take off and avoid charges. When we know teams are sliding over, the block charge has never been more criticized, this and that. He'd get in the air and huge, and the defender was ready for him. And then he would just glide and slide to the right, avoid the charge off one foot, lay it in multiple times. I thought there's just, you know, those are just some of those special plays that few players in the country can make. And North Carolina's got one of those guys. He's not the only guy on their roster, but um, it, it's a it's a storyline that that is certainly worth rooting for because uh, I don't know of anybody outside of maybe some Duke fans, but Hubert Davis is one of the nicest, most beloved people out there, even when he was taking a break yeah. in the TV world. I mean, there was not a person that came across him that didn't say, man, that 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 dude's awesome. And so uh, to see what they've been able to do here lately is has really been fun to watch. Am I, Dane, am I underestimating the youth and the ability for a young man college basketball to turn around and play again in two days because I'm thinking about kind of how Chris Stewart just put it uh, the physicality of Duke versus North Carolina on one hand you had two boxing matches back to back the first one guy comes in second round knocks his opponent out the other one they had to go the distance I don't even know how many rounds they played 11 used to be 15 when I was little but they go the distance 
Mm-hmm. Is there an advantage, Kansas, because of maybe an easier time with Villanova? Or do these kids bounce back quicker than I thought? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a tricky one because I'm with you. I, I, early on, I was like, you know what? Whoever whoever wins the Kansas-Villanova game is who I'm picking because of the emotional hangover, this and that. But then you kind of look at it, too. I think, well, it's not like this is the first time North Carolina ever beat Duke. It's not like, hey, they lost seven consecutive and could never get over the hump against them or anything like that. Like, uh. they, they've been beating Duke up this year. And and you think it's almost like, you know, when a coach says you got to act like you've been there before. Well, if you've truly never been there before, it's hard to know how to handle it. And, yes, they never beat them in a Final Four game. But Cameron Indoor, that, I mean, that was an event in itself. I mean, you can't tell me that wasn't, you know, just as much hype as as an NCAA tournament game, maybe not a Final Four game. But I, I think the fact that they're a little bit of like been there, done that. It's like, yeah, I know it was a big game and, and we beat Duke uh, again. Like, it, it's not like they're they're celebrating that um, incredible feat for the first time ever. So I, I think there could be some advantages to that uh, because of the fact that they they've been able to beat Duke on huge stages multiple times in a short period of time to where that, that, uh, that, that, I, I don't know, just moving on to the next game yeah. may benefit them a little bit more than uh, had they been on some huge drought against uh, the blue devils. You know, it, it is interesting that we had all the talk and in all the storylines throughout the course of the tournament of um, St. Peter's, there were other teams that that stepped up that were really good storylines that were from your non uh, blue bloods, but yet we get down to the four that we got down to, and now Kansas and North Carolina, and there there are those two don't have to. I won't say that those are two clearly the programs nationally, but but they don't have to take a back seat historically to anyone when it comes to the to the conversation of those that are the best. The game itself, though, stripping away all the other stuff, the historic stuff, just these two teams, who do you like? Uh, I'm going Carolina. Um, uh, I, I like – it's not that Kansas can't shoot the three. And I know there's – look, there's times where everybody changes their opinion. Like a, a really good three-point shooting team, if they go cold in March, that's where you're like, well, that's why you know you can't rely on the three. And then if they win that game, everybody's like, see, we got to get more three-point shooters on our team. Yeah, so it, yeah. I, I think uh, – I just think, um, you know, North Carolina, they'll, they'll be a um, a small underdog, but it's – you know, they, they've won, I think, five straight when they've been the underdog. Um, and so they're just a different team than they were early in the year, peaking at the right time. I, I like the maturity to them. Um and, you know, the, the pace is going to be really fun to watch. And going back to your point, as, as much – and I love, you know, seeing some upsets and the underdog stories, but seeing two Blue Bloods that play a pretty fun style of play as well and some good storylines, um, that, that's been that, – that, that's going to make for a compelling championship for sure. And uh, it's uh, – this is, this is a this is a pick em game. And um, – but I, I do think, you know, and that this is a question I don't even know that North Carolina can answer. It, it, you know, big man Bangkok that turned his ankle. You know, you, you'd like to think just the hype, the momentum of the game, and you, you've been icing that thing, heat it, and all that. But you know, it is is him at an eighty percent level? You know, is is that going to be a difference in a game that could come down to one or two possessions? I mean, you you think about him not getting one or two 
of the offensive rebounds he normally gets, that could be the difference in the game. And so I, I do think um, just his movement, his impact is, is a storyline to watch, kind of game within the game. Speaking of storylines, and you as a broadcaster have been around this, uh, it's the sidebars and the sub-storylines that broadcasters tell us during the game that give it to that magnitude, that give us as a viewer, wow, I didn't realize that. This does make it more interesting. I'm almost wanting to ask everybody uh, leading up to the game, over and under, you pick one, how many times the cameras go to Roy Williams, having coached at both programs? will be a good <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's uh, I I can't make too much fun of CBS because I know every time we did a, a Vanderbilt game, Scotty Pippen uh, was shown after about every single oh, yeah. shot when yeah. Scotty Pippen Jr. would make a bucket. So, um, they I, uh, they they have a tendency to attract the cameras there. But uh, I, I would go. Let's see if I'm truly answering that question. Um, I'm gonna go six. I'm going to go one or two in the first half, and if it's a close game in the second, I think I think you uh, you see him at least four times. I bet oh, we yeah. see him six times for halftime. Uh, <laughs> I bet whether 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 the uh, the guys on the headset are asked to comment or not, I bet we see him a bunch. Dane, you've been great to us this year. Appreciate you so very much. Thanks for your time uh, all throughout the season, but today especially. Hope you have a a great off season, and we'll talk to you in a few months. Same to you guys. Anytime. Appreciate everything. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Great stuff, Dane Bradshaw. Just, uh, again, loved him throughout the season. He's been a great guest for us throughout the year as well, and uh, always appreciate his insight and expertise, and great to give his uh, get his thoughts. He's got the Tar Heels, boys. Welcome in. Hour number two of the Press Box is underway for a Monday, April the 4th. It is episode number 311, the first of week number 63 inside the show. Mike Grace from the Breaking Optics Studio. J.D. Byers is in Mobile, Chris Stewart is in Birmingham, and our next guest from the home of Dr. John. He's in the uh, right place, wrong time, wrong time, whichever it is. Oh, come on, do it. Do it like you would have said. Right place. Right place. There he is, uh, T.J. Reeves of the uh, great podcast, fellas. I told you, I enjoyed a couple of episodes this weekend of college basketball coast to coast. Just fantastic stuff. Of course, he's also the uh, sideline guy for the Tampa Bay Bucks radio network. But we're talking Final Four now, as he was all weekend long from New Orleans, uh, where the Big Easy hasn't exactly been all so easy, has it there, TJ? Good morning, boys. Good to be with you, Mike. Good to be with you, JT. Mr. Stewart, we're all behaving for a Monday. I, uh, I report that I think about the same is happening here in New Orleans, where they have cleaned out the Villanova and the Duke fans. Sadly for Duke, it ends, I know not so sadly for some, on Saturday night and for Coach K. And now North Carolina and Kansas. A couple of Blue Bloods get ready to play for the whole thing later tonight, boys. When I come in, uh, I I listen to radio and I get in pretty early uh, to the office. So uh, I I can actually get in Westmobile, TJ, I can get New Orleans radio stations. And it was kind of cool because I was able to hear their traffic and weather reports and all of that, and they were talking about uh, how to get ready for tonight if you're in the quarter or downtown uh, New Orleans because of the traffic (laughs) flow. And I'm thinking, you know, this is is a basketball game, but we forget it's not at Smoothie King. This thing's in the big one. That's correct. It's a great point that you make. And just to that end, I am actually uh, privileged to be in a media hotel that is right by the Superdome. And I, I can I mean, you guys have been around these big events uh, where the where the fans make their way to the event. But here, as you mentioned, in the French Quarter, you can basically 
walk to almost everything, including the Superdome where they will play this game. So on Saturday, there was just a constant, almost avalanche of people walking down Poitras Street, which is the street towards the Superdome uh, that, that runs uh, right down into it, you know, six lane road. And, and there are thousands and thousands, all clad in blue now, various shades of Villanova, North Carolina, Kansas or Duke blue. And that's going to be the same thing tonight, the game at 8 Central Time uh, here where we are, where you guys are in Alabama, and probably about 6 Central Time it will be the same thing as they're opening the doors, maybe 5.30, where there will be tens of thousands. They had 70,000 in that building the other night. It is it is some scene, and it is, uh, it is going to be fascinating to see whichever storyline concludes here. Either Hubert Davis completes one of the remarkable turnarounds in the month of March to a first-year head coach, or Bill Self in Kansas get a second national title for him, which will silence a lot of his critics, guys. So one of those storylines comes through coming up tonight. Did I see this one right, TJ? Is it is it Steve Fisher that's the only first-year head coach to win the whole thing? I believe that is that's correct. Right. He certainly I, I was the first one to do it, and I do not believe there has been one since. And remember, he yeah. took over – when the sitting coach, Bill Frieder, with a really good team, had decided, you know what, I'm going to take the Arizona State job while the NCAA tournament is about to be played. And Bo Schimbeckler very famously said, a Michigan man is going to coach Michigan. You're not, you're, not coaching, yeah. <laughs> you're not coaching here if you're the Arizona State coach. So Fisher was his lead assistant. He stepped in. Right. And lo and behold, they won six games, including the national title game in Seattle. So, yes. Uh, again, Hubert Davis has been here for uh, the entire season, uh, sliding over as one of Roy Williams' assistants to take over the job. I also a former player at Carolina. It's a little different, but yeah, it would be kind of the same company, no doubt. So I saw your I saw your tweet. You're there. You're in the building. Give me a feel for the environment for a game, not just a game of that magnitude, but that intensity, because. We know they don't like each other, but it seemed to just go to an off-the-charts level in that game. Without it being dirty, without it being, you know, violent, just the I want to beat the other for so many personal reasons seemed to be off the charts. You are 1,000% correct, and I have had the privilege to be at, at uh, now 20 of these guys in various broadcast lives, they keep allowing me to come back and be at this thing. And I'm never, wow. I'm, I, I'm never going to come on these shows and say that I'm anything other than privileged to get to do this. And so most of the time they are in these massive football stadiums. Now they have been for the better part of 20 plus years. Uh, but that, that the other night, uh, again, the second game with Carolina and Duke, they probably, out of the 70,000, I think this is fair, they probably had 55,000 of the fans in that building. Kansas yeah. probably had about 10, maybe 15,000, my amateur crowd guessing. Villanova probably had like five or 7,000, something like that. But, I mean, the whole rest of the building is Carolina and Duke. And to give you an idea, as that game wound down and there was one heroic shot after another being made, nobody's sitting down, Mike, J.D., Chris. I mean, nobody is sitting down even during the TV timeouts. There's 70,000 people standing even in the upper levels. I mean, you're sitting in the top of the Superdome and you're almost closer back at the hotel than, than, <laughs> than you are to the floor. And sure. they're standing. Uh, it, it was it was something to behold. It was loud. It was a constant, constant roar. It's maybe the loudest I've ever heard it. 
for a constant five, seven minutes of actual time at the end of that game. And then obviously when Carolina hit uh, the last big shot in the final 30 seconds by Caleb Love and hit the free throws and it became apparent they're going to win, it got very loud for the Carolina sections around their bench and around the lower bowl because they had pulled off the double. They have now forever cemented that Hubert Davis and his team won the last game at Cameron Indoor Stadium for Coach K in his 42-year career. It's a Carolina win or a Duke loss. And now his last game ever, ever, unless he comes back, which I don't think he will, is a Carolina loss again. Well, you talk about a couple of all-time wins, guys. Wow. Is the job tougher now for Hubert Davis than it than it was because I, I know it sounds absurd, but to get them back up for Kansas and the North Carolina national, excuse me, Kansas national championship game may be a tougher assignment than this most recent game because you didn't have any question that they would be up and ready to go for the game against the Blue Devils. Yeah, and that's a valid point that how much did you spend emotionally, how much did you spend psychologically getting this win the other night? And, and that happens every time in this situation where who still has the most left, who has the most legs left at the end of this, who mentally has enough focus left to, to win the championship game. You've won an enormous Saturday game, but that's not the end. That's not the final game. And so you make a you make a, another very good point. And this is Chris is on a roll this morning. I don't know if we're gonna if we're gonna end up having to pay him double uh, for all this on the press box. But you're right. I mean, a lot of people would look at that Duke win and say that's your national championship. Uh, and the one thing I was thinking when you were asking that is, for example, Coach K's first national title, 1991, which by the way came against Kansas in the title game. They had beaten un, unbeaten UNLV, had beaten Stacy Augman, Larry Johnson, that great undefeated UNLV team. And you wondered where they spent emotionally and physically for winning that game after UNLV had annihilated them in the championship game the previous year in 1990. Well, as it turns out, Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill were ready for the moment on Monday night. We'll see if this North Carolina team will be ready for the moment against a really good Kansas team that that I know we haven't touched on it very much. But, man, they were fantastic against Villanova Saturday, and it will be a tough challenge. He is T.J. Reeves, does a great job as the sideline man for Tampa Bay Bucks Radio Network, works for Compass Media and more. I want to talk about this podcast because I listened to a couple episodes this weekend, yep. and I learned, again, and you can find him him at uh, Twitter, at Buck Sideline Guy, but the podcast, at CBB Coast to Coast, that's to the number, so CBB yep. Coast to Coast. All right, so what was it, five times that Kansas and North Carolina have met for uh, the championship? One was the 1957 triple overtime game that, contrary to popular belief, I was not there to cover. You were That's you were right. getting your driver's license. I was not that. there to cover. But uh, who, who you you mentioned a name of the guy who was oh playing. A, cu- a couple of names. Yeah, Dean Dean Smith is a player for North Carolina in the 57 national title game. Will Will the Stilt Will Chamberlain is a player for the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah. in that game. Oh. How crazy is that? And North Carolina won in triple overtime that year for a national championship uh, that is that is still revered and in the North Carolina Basketball Hall of Fame and obviously a very big deal. That's the only time they've met for a title. The other two times they've met in the Final Four on the Final Four Saturday, 
1993 where guys right here in new orleans in the superdome and dean smith got thrown out of the game got a double technical with a couple of minutes left in the game because they were losing thrown out and then the other time they met 2008 in the alamo dome in san antonio kansas ran out to a 30 point first half lead and blew north carolina away so not any good recent memories for north carolina against kansas in the ncaa tournament Hey, uh, T.J. Reeves, give us an, something that fans can't get because storylines are going to be there pregame. The setup for how this works inside a massive football stadium, uh, the Superdome, that if you've never been to one, what sticks out, maybe one or two or three items that from your vantage point, having done 20-plus of these things, how they make it work, a small court inside a ginormous building. Yeah, and it's been a challenge, and I know my colleagues and I around the media and even on these podcasts and stuff I do, we debate this about whether it's a good thing. I actually think it is a good thing because more people can be in the building. Like, for example, I've talked to two or three friends and acquaintances that were up in those third-level up-high seats, and they were thrilled to be in there, and they've made the experience about as good as you can get it by elevating the court a little bit in the middle by having humongous video boards that can show you replays of things going on. Yes, the players are smaller, all of it's smaller. It's not an intimate setting like what basketball usually is. But I think that they're never going back to the arenas. We know that. They're not going to go back to the, the traditional basketball arena. They're going to stay in these stadiums. They've done as good a job with that as they can. And, and again, you welcome in 65, 70, 75,000 fans as opposed to 15, 18, 20,000 fans. For this event so it is it is some scene to come into a football stadium uh well you know one of my colleagues that's with me uh here from las vegas he's another initials guy tc martin he's never been to a final four and so i was trying to prepare him a little bit especially here in the modern era of what you're about to walk into when you walk into the floor of the superdome here and see all of this and he even said to me wow Looking, looking around that this is a basketball game. This is not a Super Bowl. This is not the college football playoff or the college football national championship game. So it is some scene with a mass of humanity uh, here uh, for this, and uh, I, can't, I can't wait. It is going to be a lot of fun no matter what happens, no matter which storyline concludes tonight. I'm, I'm amazed at how well the shooting is because I know, you know people say, oh, well, the goal's the same height. It's the same – it is if you can keep your eyes locked on the rim. If you can't, if you, th- my point is, there are so many other things to distract you from a depth perception standpoint. If if you're not focused, even more so than usual, it it can be bad. You can be way off, and I'm just impressed with with the teams that can find a way to lock in and shoot as as high a percentage as some of them can in those facilities and those buildings. Well, you make another uh, valid point here that usually in domes, it used to be a problem. Now, one thing they have done, and this is kind of subtle, you can tell it on TV, they have really darkened the, the rest of the arena while the game is going on to an extent yeah. to help with those backgrounds. So you can, you can tell, you can tell it much better uh, in the arena that it is a lot darker around the shooting background. Uh, because you used to kind of just look into grandstands, two levels of grandstands way back behind the basket. But, I mean, don't don't tell Kansas that there's a problem. They stepped right in and they bombed. What did they make, four of their first four or five of their first five three-point shots? Boom, boom, boom. Had seven of them in the first half. Now, North Carolina struggled, and so did Duke in the first half of their game. But eventually, North Carolina 
uh, tore it up shooting the ball in the second half of the game, got comfortable with it. And in particular, that kid, Caleb Love, who's a St. Louis kid that they recruited, a McDonald's All-American, to North Carolina. He is on a tear shooting the basketball, especially from three, much like Mike Grace. Use the jab step to get the defender off balance like Mike has always done that's and me. step back and shoot the three, shoot the 27-footer. Yeah. So that that's Caleb Love tonight, and watch out for him. Let's see if he has a big night tonight shooting the hoop. Jab step. Grab the squeeze ball uh, and my, then let it my, fly. My twenty-seven. My twenty-seven footers usually came from thirty feet away. Is, I, is I thought you. I thought you were going to say your twenty-seven footers usually came for par when you're out there with Stuart <laughs> no, and JD on the golf course. I got twenty-seven feet for par here to save to save the hole. Hey, we got exactly. one one minute. Tell us where we can find your podcast, DJ. Go simply to College Basketball Coast to Coast on podcast. Go to the TuneIn Radio app. TuneIn's free mobile radio app. Go to the College Basketball Coast to Coast channel. A Monday afternoon, one-hour preview coming for this game tonight from New Orleans where we will talk all things Carolina, Kansas, and maybe seafood and some other stuff. It'll be a blast. Thank you, boys. Worth Pleasure your time. to be with you. Great stuff. Again, TJ Reeves, find him online. At Buck Sideline Guy is the Twitter handle. And then at CBB Coast to Coast using the number two in there. CBB Coast to Coast for that college basketball coast-to-coast podcast. Fantastic stuff. And look forward to that afternoon special edition later today, man. That's good stuff from TJ Reed. Want to talk to the guys? Hit them up at the contact page online at PressBoxRadio.com or find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at PressBoxRadio1. That's PressBoxRadio and the number one. That's how you can earn access to the press box.